This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coming up on today's feature award-winning Analytics podcast, episode number 180. This is the official Brandon Bean appreciation episode. I'm going to have my man, longtime friend of mine, Tone Fox. He's going to join me today, and we're going to talk all about Brandon Bean. In fact, we're going to go all the way back to the beginning of the season. We had a recap just hours after the Buffalo Bills beat the Jets in their opener. Tone Fox had a take for the ages. I'm going to replay that tweet. It was all about Brandon Bean. We're going to give our thoughts on that 14 weeks later. And then we're pretty much just going to break down this roster and really highlight an incredible job that Brandon Bean has done in constructing a team that is already at 10 wins. They may finish with more. It's pretty remarkable. If you didn't realize what a great job Brandon Bean has done building the Buffalo Bills, I promise you by the end of this segment, you absolutely will. So I got that for you. I'm also going to have a chat with Zach Mitch. He's a Buffalo Bills fan who went to the airport last week after the Bills beat the Steelers. Josh Allen took his camera, took a selfie, it went viral, and ended up in the art gallery in Buffalo. Zach's going to tell us all about that experience. Cool stuff like that. Both of those coming up. Plenty more. Before that, though, I want to let you know today's show is being supported by 26 Shirts. At 26 Shirts, a different Buffalo Dean design is sold every two weeks, and then that shirt is gone for good. Here's the best part. For every single shirt that they sell, a donation is made to either a local family that's in need or to a worthy charity. They have a different cause with every shirt. Since 2013, their designs have managed to raise and donate. I can't believe this number. Well over $670,000. Del Reed, his crew, they do such amazing work. They make the lives of so many people better. It's awesome to see. Not to mention, these are really outstanding good-looking design shirts. They're comfortable, very sporty to wear. Head on over to 26shirts.com and see what cause needs you this week. And on that note, let's do it. Let's do it. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Analytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. All right, podcast fans, what's going on? How you doing? What's up? Episode 180, Moranalytics Podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening and for downloading the show. Got a good one for you today. Got a longtime buddy of mine, Tone Bucks. He's going to join me in just a couple of minutes. And if you're not a regular listener to this podcast, if you haven't been listening for a while, you're probably saying, who? Well, I'm going to tell you who, man. Tone Pucks is one of those guys, not known. He's not a sports media guy. He's not much of a podcast guy. 
But I'm going to tell you right now with no hesitation, when it comes to the Buffalo Bills or the Buffalo Sabres, and today's show has nothing to do with the Sabres, so this is all about the Bills, his sports takes, his analysis, his insight is right up there with the very best of them. So if you haven't heard Tone before, you're definitely going to be in for a treat today if you're a Bills fan. And this is a very specific episode. This is all about, well, not all, but a lot of it is about Brandon Bean and the incredible job that he has really done as general manager constructing this team in such a short amount of time. Now, this is the second time in three years the Bills have been in the playoffs, but it's completely different. All right, let's be real here. 2017, that shit was lightning in a bottle. That team, just everything went their way that year, got a little bit lucky and made the playoffs. And then they went right back to being a 6-10 and 10 team the following season. That's not the case. 2019 Buffalo Bills are completely different. This team is not just lucky. They're 10 and 4 because they're pretty goddamn good. Beyond that, and even more importantly for me, they're built to be good for the foreseeable future. And that's because of the job that Brandon Bean has done over the last maybe 12 to 18 months or so constructing this team. And that's for the most part what me and Tone are doing today. We're going to kind of dissect this roster and highlight some of the moves that Brandon Bean has made to make this team what it is today. So hopefully you're going to enjoy that. We also spent some time talking about our expectations, not just for the rest of this season in the playoffs, but where we think they should be next year. Really cool stuff with Tone Puck. So that'll be coming on in just a minute. I'm also going to have a little chat with Zach Mitch. He's the Buffalo Bills fan who went to the airport last Sunday. The guy who Josh Allen took his phone, took the selfie that went viral, ended up at the art gallery. Really cool story. I'm going to have Zach tell that for you. I'll have both of those interviews for you. Before that, though, real quick, before we get started. So this is out on Friday. I'm actually traveling from Florida back to my hometown, Buffalo, New York, on Friday. In fact, depending on when you're hearing this, I might be in Buffalo already. And for the next two weeks, I'm going to be in Buffalo for a couple weeks. So for the next two weeks, the next four episodes, I'm going to be doing them in Buffalo. I'm going to pick up my Wings Wit series. I did that last summer. It was a lot of fun. Basically, I just hit up wing joints with the guest and uh, have a good time. Take the episodes there. I can confirm three of the four episodes that I'm doing right now. I know next week on Tuesday's show, I'm going to be with Marcel Louis-Jacques from ESPN. We're going to be taping at Macy's Place Pizzeria. Oh my God, I can't wait to have those wings again. They're so good. So that's next Tuesday. And then next Thursday, I'm going to have Reed Ferguson from the Buffalo Bills. And we're going to be doing a show at Sunny Reds in Lackawanna. Following Tuesday, I'm going to have Tyler Dunn from the Bleacher Report. Not sure where we're going to be yet. And then I have a fourth guest that's not completely locked down. So I'm not going to say it on today's episode. But anyway, follow me on Twitter at Pamoran Tweets. I'll let you know exactly what day and time we're going to be taping these shows. If you want to stop up at any of these places, say hello to me or say hello to the guests, get some wings, whatever have you. Stay tuned uh, to my Twitter and I'll give you information about that. But anyway, that's coming up. Let's get into today. Really good chat. I'm looking forward to this one. Tone Bucks, this is all about Brandon Bean. All right. First time in like three months, only the second time since opening week. My man, Tone Pucks, a little old school here, Pat with Pucks. You're overdue, man, like a library book. I heard you lost to your wife in the semifinal of fantasy football. Why? Why? <laughs> why? Why? I did. Dude, I, I got blown out. I got to tell you, dude, she's 
like killing everybody. She's averaging like 180 something a week in the playoffs. She did it last year too. I don't know what it, it pisses me off. It really pisses me off a lot, but uh, yeah, she's going to potentially win another one. It makes me sick. How did you do in fantasy football this year? Are you in any leagues? Nah, I didn't play none, man. I'm glad. Yeah, look, I like anything that pisses you off for the most part, but I can't even really even get behind busting on you too bad because I, I just I, there's there's no validity in 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 terms of you know uh, what I think it takes to win a, a fantasy football championship. Well, you know when you're playing one time a week, it's 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 you know it's two hundred nights or nothing for me. All right, there's. There's only one fantasy, only one fantasy sport where I come from. <laughs> Seriously, I, I played, I, I did, uh, what do you call it, um, fan duels all year. Um, I did not do well by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take the daily fantasy when it comes to football all day. I just can't get past the fact, all right, that the best players in the game, the premium position in the game is so trivial and marginalized in the fantasy side of the sport. I can't get past that. It just doesn't work for me. I may, but, I'm I, glad that, but I'm glad that you lost. So. I, I mostly agree with you, except I think it's changed a little bit in the last couple of years just because of quarterback position. There's so much more running going on. Guys like Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, these guys pile up yards on the ground too. So their stats become a lot more relevant. But on a whole, I do agree with you. And I, I feel the same way, man. I'm a baseball guy too. You know that. I like to to grind it out. Didn't do a very good job of grinding it out in baseball this year either. But yeah, I agree with you, man. Baseball is a lot more challenging. Football, not saying any idiot can do it, but basically any idiot can do it. Not, not any idiot could win. I mean, you do have to have skill drafting the right players. And again, some people go out and they work the waiver wires. They they make good trades and they and they run a good team. But yeah, the the skill level involved in it and just the overall participation is just not for me. But anyway, so good luck what, to Aaron. Good luck to Aaron, though. If you're listening, Aaron, good luck to you. Who do you think has listened to more of your podcast, me or Aaron? I would say probably you, you've you listened to more episodes, which is probably four or five. How many episodes? Let me ask. All right, so here's the deal. All right, so I had you on. I looked it up. I had you on the last two times I've had you on this year. Twice I've had you on this season, I should say so far. I had you on just hours after the season opener, which we're going to get into that in a second, because that's one of the reasons why I got you back on today. And then the other one was episode 155, which is like September 23rd. I think that was like week two or three. I think you had it after that. But anyway, that was a good 20. Let's see. This is 179, 180, something like that. So it's a good 25 episodes ago. How many of the last 25 episodes have you listened to? Zero. Oh, I thought you were going to ask me like total, like yeah, out of the hundred, whatever. I, I <laughs> no, probably... it's just even the last 25, 30. Have you even got one? Uh, you know, I, I've, I've caught some of the YouTube clips. I'm, I have a short attention span. Yeah. Seriously. I've got, I, I, th I think, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, I was able to, you know, kind of go on and have a, a little bit of a career and, and, and whatnot, uh, without worrying about it too much. Um, I, I think I would be clinically diagnosed with ADD, OCD and ADD, which I think is a really neat combination, but fodder for another time. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I mean, answer your question, it's probably a tie because neither of you listen to it and I'm fine with that. But in all seriousness, I, I did want you back for a specific reason. First of all, I always do like catching up with you. Obviously we've been friends for a very long time. I'll be in Buffalo. In fact, this is dropping on Friday. I'll be in Buffalo later on Friday, hopefully at some point. I'll see you. But regardless, 
This is the Brandon Bean appreciation episode. And I go all the way back. I circle back to the very first game. I've heard a lot of good takes this year, and I'm going to give credit where it's due. I put up a YouTube clip earlier this week, and I'm going to highlight on this podcast for people who didn't see that. The Bills played the Jets opening week, and that night, me and you taped a segment, and you probably had one of, if not the best takes that I've heard, not just on this podcast, but any podcast that I've listened to this entire football season. And it revolved around Brandon B. Now you predicted the Bills would win 11 games at a time where I don't think a lot of people were doing that. So props for that. But that's not what it is about your take that I love. It was about Brandon Bean and his vision going from Frank Gore just to the overall depth and the way this team is being built. So here's what I'm going to do for people listening right now who didn't either don't remember or didn't hear it at the time. I'm going to play this clip. It's about three minutes or so. So sit back, listen to it. It's Tone Pucks talking about Brandon Bean immediately after the Bills beat the Jets in the season opener. And then we'll come back and I'm going to get Tone's reaction what do I, to this. What, what, what do I do? Do I Can I like go get my my laundry out of the washer and put it in the dryer? Or Yeah, you got a couple minutes, so go ahead. All right, and then meanwhile, for everyone out there listening, here it is. The Bills caught a lot of bad publicity or, or maybe just kind of you know, were the brunt of some jokes when they bought, brought in Frank Gore and paired him with, with LaShawn McCoy formed the the oldest uh, running back tandem in the league. But let me tell you something, man, okay? There was a plan at that position all along. And the plan may not have necessarily included Devin Singletary. You know, it could have been Singletary or Montgomery from the Bears or, you know, probably as many as five potential candidates. But Brandon Bean is always one or two steps ahead from what, you know, people are looking at in the news and commenting on that day. They were going to draft a young running back and they were going to have one of the all time most effective and professional running backs in the history of the NFL tutor that new player. Okay. That was a plan from the jump and Shady was never in it. Now this isn't about Shady. This is about Brandon Bean's ability to plan ahead and build a roster that, frankly, was every bit the reason that they're 1-0 and right now as anything else that happened on the field. We talked about C.J. Mosley going out of the game and the effect that it had uh, on the rest of that, that Jets defense. Name the player that that happens to on the Buffalo Bills. All right, Now, you might be able to say Tremaine Edmonds in a year or two, or you might reach and say a guy like Tremaine Edmonds right now, but... You know, they are not built around that one player, man. They are built on every level. You take the Jets, you've got the stud at the uh, on the line in the, amongst the backers and in the secondary, all right? You look at the Bills, and they may not have that one stud at each one of those levels. Well, at least not right now. But they have 11 guys, all right, and, and depth at those spots, that can go out and and win a football game. And they were built that way by a guy who probably has as good a vision for turning around a cap situation, okay, and an underachieving franchise in harmony with his head coach as certainly we have ever seen in Buffalo, if not as good a vision towards rebuilding a roster as you've seen in the NFL right now where it didn't take all right a full-blown Cleveland 
or what Miami's doing right now to do. I believe, and I and I held back, okay? I held back big time when we went and tried to find 10 wins, all right? And I held back big time when you asked me what I think this says about this team. This team is, is built as well as any in the NFL right now, and it is entirely coming down to quarterback. I think he's good enough. You're out there. People are out there trying to find those 10 wins or putting themselves out there to say that, you know, this team can win 10 wins. I'm taking it a step further. All right. I am putting this team at 11 and five. That's the puck drop. Now, if you would have said that this week, I would have considered that a good take about Brandon Bean and his vision and the roster that he's been able to build in such a short amount of time. But dude, that's going back 14 weeks. Reflecting now, having some time to listen and think about it, what was it about that that team early in the season, even going all the way back to week one, that made you feel so confident to say that the Bills could win 11 games and that you felt that good about Brandon Bean? Because again, I've known you for a very long time and you're kind of like me. You're a skeptic at heart. If you're optimistic, you're very cautiously optimistic, but you felt very confident in saying that very early in the season. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was feeling good after that Jets win uh, opening week, I guess. Huh? Um, you know, you know, I don't think it's for anyone who's, who's paying attention. All right. I don't, I don't think it was that much of a reach to say that, you know, this team had, you know, depth in, in places that they didn't before, and had built, you know, um, position groups better, you know, than they uh, more complete position groups than they had in the past. And I think it was it was coming down to Allen. I think a lot of people felt like it was coming down to Allen, you know, the whole time. What I what I didn't expect, I didn't expect the defense to be this good, you know. I and and I think one of the things, and and believe me, I would change uh, several things about that take, but. One of the things that, you know, that I said a couple times then that we can now look back on and say materialized is that, you know, those studs did start to, um, you know, to, to develop at each level. I don't even mention Tredavious White in that take, okay? And um, he is clearly, uh, you know, a, a premier player on the back end. And, you know, I... I'm a little slower to this than a lot of people, but a lot of people believe that Tremaine Edmonds has arrived. Uh, so I'll I'll go along for it, uh, go along for the ride there. And you know, geez, man, Phillips and and uh, and Lawson hadn't even made their mark yet when I had that take. So you know, things continued to evolve quite a bit. They only got better. Um, they stayed healthy, and they got efficient quarterback play and I think and they had a lot of good fortune with the you know with the uh with the schedule as well which I I kind of projected a little bit um you know after in that week one take so you know it it wasn't uh it wasn't as much of a reach as picking your your traditional Buffalo Bills teams of the of the drought era to go and win 10 games or 11 games these guys seem to know what they're doing, and they've seemed to know what they were doing since the minute that they got here. And if you think anything to the contrary of that, you know, you're just not not paying attention because these guys 
have seemed to know what they're doing since the day they walked in the door. Well, there's two things about that take specifically about Brandon Bean that I really, that caught my attention and that I want to talk about and focus on. Number one, now granted, the Bills have been pretty fortunate when it comes to injuries this year. They have not suffered any major, significant, catastrophic injuries that could really derail a season. But you spoke of this team not having that one player like the Jets did. C.J. Mosley went out going all the way back to that opener. That defense fell apart in the second half of that game. That was very obvious. Once he And it all happened after C.J. Mosley left. I mean, that's not even debatable. But with the Bills, okay, so I think Matt Milano might have missed one game this year. Um, Harrison Phillips was could have been a significant injury. You know, he hurt himself, and he, he was gone for the year early. So there's not been a lot of injuries. But the point is, is when guys have one out of the lineup, especially on this defensive end, they really never did, like you said. They didn't miss a beat. This team has not suffered at all this year because, and again, injuries have not been a big problem with this team, but this team has not suffered when guys have went out. Even Devin Singletary, who's getting better, I feel like he's getting better minus the fumbles last week, every week. He missed three, four games, I think it was. The offense wasn't really much better or worse without him because it was like that next guy up mentality, which, yeah, that was the other point that I wanted to get to, and I'm going to talk about this more in a minute. Frank Gore, what he's meant to this team, I think, is invaluable. And I'm not talking about what his statistics say. I'm not talking about him becoming the third leading rusher in NFL history. I'm talking about what he's meant to the culture of this team and what he's meant to Devin Singletary. And you could see it every week. If you pay attention to this team, you could see the things that he does that really is helping this kid out a lot. So absolutely invaluable the job that Brandon Bean, because again, at the end of the day, this is episodes mostly about Brandon Bean that he's done. But I mean, again, you hit on it with Frank Gore and Shady. It's about the culture. And I sometimes I used, at least I used to hate saying that word culture because I've always been like, dude, talent wins football games. But you know what? I'm learning this now, this lesson. When Rex Ryan was a football coach, that team probably had more talent than this team does. But it is about culture and attitude and belief and chemistry because Brandon Bean is bringing in the right guys. Now, McDermott's out there coaching on Sundays, but Brandon Bean's the one responsible, at least largely responsible, for both in this roster. And you can see a night and day difference the way this team plays football now as opposed to just a couple years ago before Bean and McDermott came here when it was Rex Ryan in charge. You know what I mean? I do. I've, I've got to put this disclaimer out there, though, if this if this is going to be the, uh, you know, the Brandon Bean hype episode. Um, and believe me, you got the right guy for that because I love I love the job that he's done. When all is said and done, though, I do think that I mean, I got to give credit where credit's due. I do think McDermott is more responsible uh, for the Bills success than Bean only because you know, he was brought in here first, and I don't think Bean comes. I think I think McDermott orchestrated the whole thing. We're in an era of the NFL now where um, it's not uncommon for the coach to actually, you know, have the uh, have the hammer um, in a franchise, and, and I think that's the pecking order here in Buffalo. But um, I just I, I had to get that out there because I, I I know there's there's a lot of love for the head football coach in this town and to, you know, to go out there and make it all about Brandon Bean would leave, you know, plenty of guys salty on, uh, on omitting McDermott from the praise. So I, I, I had to fit that part, fit that part in. That's very fair statement. And I'll tell you what, 
Sean McDermott was not a flashy hire. I remember when he got hired, people were like, okay, young coach, first time coach, let's see what he could do. As it turns out, and we didn't really know it at the time, that guy was in demand. So there was competition for the Bills to get him. And obviously a lot of people are very glad they did. Listen, we could have our own Sean McDermott appreciation episode down the road. I want to pivot back here a little bit to Brandon Bean, because here's what I want to do. And this is what amazes me the most. We all knew this team was rebuilding and there was a chance because of the schedule did look a little weak that this team could make some noise this year. But as you look now at this team right now, going into week 16 against New England on Saturday, this roster, the way it was um, put together in essentially a year and a couple of cases, a couple of positions, a couple of guys over the course of two years, but as, for the most part, over the last 12 months, and that's what I want to do with you right now, is kind of just fly by these positions, uh, drop some numbers and some facts on you, and then I want to get your reaction from each. And again, there's a couple that I'll spend a little more time with than others. The quarterback position is obviously the biggest one. I mean, Brandon Bean comes in, he knows that they need a quarterback, and sure, Sean McDermott as well. I mean, again, it's not just all Brandon Bean. But when it comes to Josh Allen, sure. You end up with the seventh pick. It's not that hard. You pick the guy that you got as the third best quarterback. But to me, the move that really facilitated a lot of things that's going on with this team right now isn't the taking Josh Allen with the seventh pick. It was trading Cordy Glenn to the Cincinnati Bengals and moving up nine spots from 21 to 12. That gave Brandon Bean the ammunition to go up and get Josh Allen at seven and doing that without having to give up that other second first round pick that they had or going into a first rounder for the following season, and they were still able to get Josh Allen and ultimately get Jermaine Edmonds is too. My point is this, that trade for to trade Gordy Glenn, a guy that they probably weren't going to keep anyway, and end up moving up nine spots to give you that trade ammunition for Josh, that might be one of the best low-key general manager moves that the Buffalo Bills have ever made, in my opinion. I don't know about yours, but that's my take on it. Yeah, man, and to a certain degree, you can thank the the New York Jets for that um, because they kept the kept the Bills on their toes in terms of you know knowing that they needed to get up because if if they had to get up that far on draft day, well, that becomes a very uh, a very different scenario, a much taller order. I believe at court when it comes to quarterback, if that's where our focus is for right now. I think the the job that Brandon Bean did at quarterback was definitely noteworthy because, you know, if if it really came down to it and I had to, to bet on which quarterback they wanted in that draft, I believe the buzz from very early in the season that it was Sam Darnold. I think Darnold was their target, and I feel as though they felt as though they had enough ammunition and a bad enough team or would have a, a high enough pick, let's just say a high enough pick mm-hmm. where they could, they could have their pick of the litter. Uh, and then it didn't play that way. You know, Sean McDermott pulled a rabbit out of a hat uh, with a roster that was still somewhat talented and intact from the Ryan era uh, and made Brandon Bean's job a hell of a lot more difficult. And then I remember that Saturday morning, man, I, I remember exactly where I was when I saw the news break that the Jets jumped up to, to three from six. And I was sick. I mean, I was sick. I, I was like, there it is. I, I mean, Sam Darnold is done, and the guy nobody wants is is now very much in play. But, you know, credit to Bills. As, as much as, the, the, you know, people around here didn't didn't want him, 
that's where their focus, uh, you know, started to started to be put towards. You know, they didn't bite on Rosen. You know, they didn't go a, a path that now looks like a pretty solid one in Lamar. But you know, they had some work to do to go get Allen and 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 to um, you know to to pivot off their guy, who I believe you know again was Darnold, and they did a good job. You know, they get they did a good job, and they're. <laughs> The book is still to be written there, man. I mean, he's going to have to probably win some playoff games along the way, that sort of thing, um, and he's going to have to cont- continue to get better for this to be a high mark for Bean. But certainly where we sit right now, uh, you know, it's, it's looking pretty good. The, the ceiling is high, and, um, you know, the work that he did to to put himself in this position in this position uh, was definitely some good work because it, it, it wasn't made easy by the surprise season and, uh, and several other teams jockeying uh, in, in that quarterback draft class. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm not saying that I think they traded up with Josh Allen and mine the entire time, but well, actually at the end they did, but I'm talking yeah, about the yeah, first yeah, round yeah, at yeah. the end. Absolutely. Josh Allen. I'm talking about initially to get up with Cincinnati's so leading me in position that they'd be able to do something very well. Could have been Darnold. But let's just say this, the book is definitely out on Josh Allen, and this isn't really a discussion today about Josh Allen, the pros and cons of him as a quarterback, but I'll say this, I feel good about him if the alternative would have been Josh Rosen, because I don't think Lamar Jackson was ever going to be in the mix for any team in the top 10. He's one of those guys, sure, you're kicking yourself now that you didn't take him, 31 other teams are as well, just like Tom Brady going in the sixth round in, in 99 or whatever that was. But my thing is this, I think Josh Rosen easily, if they stay pat, let's just say they stay at 10 or, or 12, wherever they came up from, and, jo- and Josh Allen goes before that, they're stuck with Josh Rosen. I feel confident in saying that move would not have worked out because now the guys played on two teams and the Dolphins who, well, maybe they're not, they're not tanking. It looked like they were early in the year, but they're playing a lot of young guys and they're still not playing Josh Rosen. They have no interest in playing them. So there's something wrong now. Two organizations in two years, definitely not something right about this kid. So to have Josh Allen when Josh Rosen could have been the alternative, you got to feel good about that when not, as, if nothing else. Here's the thing, running back. I've used, and I've given you, to be fair, credit on this podcast throughout the season because I've said this a couple times. The Frank Gore thing really exemplifies to me what you meant when you said Brandon Bean has a vision. And he did at this position because, listen, they got LaShawn McCoy, they got Chris Ivory, and yet I'm two old guys. Okay, by running back standards, what do they do? Day one of free agency, they go on to get Frank Gore. Frank Gore is not a guy who was sitting around for a couple of weeks looking for a job, looking for an opportunity to try to catch on to a team in his 15th year, 18th, 28th year, however long the guy's been playing in the NFL now. He was here day one. So right from the get-go, he was in the fold. And you said this, and, and I completely believe this now and understand why. They said what they had to say with LaShawn McCoy, but yeah, the plan was always to get a rookie running back in the draft. And they signed TJ Eldon probably as insurance in case they didn't. So that even made it surprising at the time that they took a running back. But LaShawn McCoy, I don't think was ever in the mix unless they took a guy in the draft and somebody got hurt over the summer. Then you still got LaShawn McCoy. He was under contract with no cap ramifications that are going to hurt your team. But when they, when they stay healthy, they got rid of him. Here's my point. You get rid of a guy who's probably more talented at this stage of his career, LaShawn McCoy, than Frank Gore because Frank Gore was the right fit for this team and the right fit for a guy like Devin Singletary, who, again, minus the fumbles last week, he's continuing to become 
a bigger part of this offense. Dare say he might be the best player on this offense right now, at least the most talented player on this offense. That's all Brandon Bean right there, having the vision to go out and get Frank Gore when you got Ivory, you got Shady, you still signed TJ Yeldon, and you, you draft the guy. That's great vision right there. That's one of my favorite things that I've seen from Brandon Bean this entire season, without question. Yeah, and I think back to that, um, oh, man, what was it, the uh, the Redskins game? Where's AP? <laughs> Where's AP Washington, yeah. Right Washington, yeah. He ran for 100 yeah. yards in the first half, yeah. That's right. I think back to that Washington game and, and just that awesome clip at the end where Gore is – uh, is is chatting up AP and there's yep. like this line to talk to AP and you know Gore's walking away and he looks back and and yells AP and points to Singletary. Singletary's like a little kid, you know what I mean? And Singletary just goes to shake his hand and then actually starts walking away uh, because you know someone else was coming in, but you know AP brought him back and that was all because Frank Gore said, "Yo, this is my little dude. You know, this is my little mentee." Well, that right there really just kind of exemplified the, the the relationship between the two, and and you know, it's been fun, man. It's uh, you know, it's been fun to see them. One of the things that one of the where I would have gone a little bit with Singletary uh, before this past Sunday is how as shifty as he is, you know, how good he's been at protecting the football, and I would have given Frank Gore a lot of credit for that, but that reference. Um, falls a little flat after Sunday night. So we'll just have to hope that he bounces back from it. But you certainly, you know, you, you certainly know that he's got someone in Gore that's going to, uh, you know, that's going to drive ball security home, you know. Let's take a quick break. Want to let you know today's show is supported by Pulse Cellular. Today's lifestyle demands the best in wireless. And with Pulse Cellular, you have the best options available Switch to Pulse Cellular for unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data. Coast-to-coast with no contracts, no credit checks, and no overage fees. One line for $65 or four lines for just $45 each. That includes hotspot, Wi-Fi calling, and up to 50 gigs per line. And for all you travelers out there, Pulse has you covered in Canada and Mexico. Plus, text and data in over 210 countries worldwide, all with the best phones, or you can bring your own. That's pretty awesome. Get the best user experience on mobile at PulseCellular.com. So this offense has been pretty much revamped position by position as opposed to the defense, which is just had a couple little parts here and there. That's What's up, man? You try you, you trying to chip away at an old uh, Pulse Cellular phone bill or something? <laughs> <laughs> Knock that, uh, that shit down a little bit? Yeah, fine. I got to do what you got to do, man. <laughs> so at the wide receiver position, I mean, that is a spot on this team that they had to completely redo. Although, to be honest with you, we knew the offensive line revamp was coming. Not sure that coming into the offseason, we really thought that that much would happen at the wide receiver position. Maybe they would sign a guy. We thought that Zay Jones and especially Robert Foster were going to have a big impact on this team. Clearly, Zay Jones, they realized that wasn't going to happen. They weren't going to get rid of him. They held on to him, but he just, he couldn't cut it. But anyway, they go out in two very, very big signings. Cole Beasley, four years, $29 million, which by the way, here's another thing about all these contracts for the most part, except for Mitch Morse. Every contract that the Bills signed somebody to this offseason, because they were very busy, probably the busiest team in the NFL. They all were deals that they can get out of very easily after one, maybe two years at the most. A lot of team-friendly deals. 
And that's the case here with Cole Beasley. Again, four for 29, but they could easily get out of after two. And then John Brown, three years, 27 million. Not a, I'm not going to say that's cheap because it's not, but I mean, those aren't backbreaking deals. And this was after they thought that they were going to trade for Antonio Brown and they did not get him. Obviously, that worked out for the pets, of course. And then they go out and they get Andre Roberts, a two-year contract. Again, they can get out of that after one very easily. He's more of a kick returner than a receiver, but that's an upgrade there, catching punts over Micah Hyde. But this wide receiver position, completely retooled, revamped. Are you surprised that Robert Foster did, hasn't, I don't want to say didn't because it seems not over, but he has not had any real impact on this unit. And just again, you go and you look at John Brown, you're like, all right, this guy can get downfield. He's going to make some plays. Can he stay healthy? Well, the answer is yes, he has stayed healthy. He's made a couple plays downfield, but he's also been by far Josh Allen's most reliable target. And then Cole Beasley's done what, for the most part, I think we expected him to do. Another position that I think Brandon Bean went out and did a great job at. Yeah, let's not just kind of gloss over the Antonio Brown thing, though, all right? Every successful person out there has a little bit of good fortune involved, uh, you know, in their success. Sure. And the way this Antonio Brown thing played out is definitely a little bit of Brandon Bean's good fortune because, you know, if he were to come here and, you know, have the same sort of uh, issues that he's had all season long, you know, Bean's in, in some pretty hot water for it if the team is not finding a way to overcome those issues and still be successful, all right? Brandon Bean dodged a major bullet with Antonio Brown not wanting to come here. As far as the position itself and where it's where it stands right now, and, and getting back to your question on Robert Foster, I'm shocked. I, I I mean, I'm super surprised that Robert Foster has not found his way into regular snaps, you know, for this team. Um, you know, I'll say this though, you know, the guy that's taken a lot of his reps is, is Isaiah McKenzie, who was an in in season uh, addition, I, I believe, yeah, last year. And, you know, that's a good job, too, man. I mean, yeah. look, I, I, Isaiah McKenzie has made some some winning football plays uh, uh, this year. And while I didn't expect it to, you know, to be the case where he would, uh, you know, he would get the, the lion's share of the reps from uh, from Foster, it just, it, it's that much more of a testament to, you know, to how they build and how they'll, un, you know, flip over every rock possible to, you know, to try to get it, you know, to try to get the depth that they want. And and Isaiah McKenzie has been a big part of the uh, uh, of the depth. Now, clearly, that position is is still that one player away. All right? it is, yeah. I think we all know it is it is still that one player away. And and uh, and I'm very interested to see how that happens this year. But, you know, he made it work for his young quarterback this year. He got. Uh, you know, he got a good slot target for him. He got a good outside target at a great price for him, uh, who has shown to, you know, be able to run the whole the whole route tree, as they say. And, you know, he liked Brown last year, too. He's good perseverance and good job not getting all, well, you know, we were going to offer offer this to you last year, and, you, you know, you went elsewhere on us. I, I bet you there's some franchises or GMs in the league that would, that would have looked at the John Brown situation that way. And, you know, that's just another thing that, 
you know, that these guys aren't, you know, they don't let, you know, petty stuff like that get in their way. They had a, a player they liked last year, didn't work out, bounced right back, snatched them up this year. And they're, uh, shit, man, what, two wins probably? At, you know, at least he's been worth at least two wins. Sure. No question about that. Tight ends, we don't, I mean, we don't really need to spend much time talking about them because that's one of those, we have to wait and see if these were good moves. They did trade up to get Dawson Knox. So they gave up two fours to move up in the third. Kids shown flashes, but, you know, as expected, rookie, some drop passes, some issues. Tyler Croft's been out this year for a lot of the year, I should say. He's back now. He scored a big touchdown, obviously, Sunday in Pittsburgh. Again, one of those contracts, three years, $18.75 million. Looks like a lot, but if for whatever reason, and I don't think they're going to, but if they want to get out of that, even after this season, it'd be very easy to do. But anyway, tight end, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I think it's a little too early for that. The offense. You know, as as much as we all hate the guy, all right, uh, Lee Smith is the Frank Gore of that tight end room. All right, Lee, the, what what they did bringing in Lee Smith for those young tight ends is obviously on a much different scale in terms of their NFL career. But you know, they he that's they they built that tight end room in the same manner that they uh the, you know that they did that running back room. The guy's a real conundrum. Talk about Lee Smith because a lot of fans hate him because he's always getting penalties. He doesn't really do much in the passing game. But media people, smart people, really like him a lot because he does bring a lot, like you said, brings a lot to the media room. And he is still a very good blocker. I mean, yeah, the penalties are really annoying to watch. But yeah, that's a good point. I should have brought him up. He's a good player. The offensive line is the position where the biggest turnaround came. And it's obviously the least surprising because you look at this line and this is where the transformations really happen. You had Dawkins last year, but then you got John Miller and Jordan Mills and Ryan Groy, Russell Bodine, the rookie. I was at Wyatt Teller. Just a, a lot of players that just frankly are not very good at all. In fact, they sucked, all right? That offensive line, I remember me and you were on several episodes last year. I was just going off on that line seemingly every week. Now, signing Mitch Morse, that's not a value contract. They paid him big time for a good reason. But there's a couple guys that he went out and got, I'm talking about Brandon Bean, of course, that were kind of like, huh, okay, these guys might compete during camp. But man, they've been kind of revelations. John Feliciano, particularly, two years, $7.25 million. He's been a very good guard this year for the Bills. <laughs> he has, He's man. been like, very yo, good. Why I got this big smile when you said Feliciano. I think it may be one of the most uh, underrated signings of the of the year. He seems he. I mean, he's been good. They seem to, you know, he's the first guy in the in the uh, in the locker room scrums, you know, lifting up Beasley and all that stuff. I think Beasley was a or Feliciano was a great signing. Absolutely, man. Spain was not a bad signing. One year, he's only getting paid two million. He's been your starting left guard from day one. So you got a starting left guard who hasn't really hurt your line so much for only two million dollars. These are the kind of signings that really make me appreciate the job that Brandon Bean's doing with this team. Spencer Long, a, not a great backup, but a decent quality backup. He's had to play some this year with Morris going out. Feliciano I think getting Long, up. I think I think Long may have actually gotten more money than Feliciano. I think he Spain. did too. He did. Yeah, he did for sure. And Seki, that was a team friendly contract. We'll see what happens there next year. They can save, I think, like three point seven million if they cut him. He wasn't playing bad before he got hurt. Now, of course, Cody Ford is forcing that starting role. But anyway, you summarize this offense here. And I think it's like they got nine new starters from just one season ago. So 
Having said that, we already know Brandon Bean's done a good job. We've talked about these positions, but let, when you talk about this offense as a whole, are they about where you think they should be when you consider you got a second-year quarterback in all these new parts? Are, are they about where you think they are? Are you a little surprised, a little worse, a little better off than you thought? Yeah, a little better off than I thought. Um, I, You know, I felt like this would be a, a, a mistake-prone type of offense. I, I thought they were going to be slinging it, you know, um, kind of like we saw with Josh have success in late last year. Uh, again, Robert Foster, uh, you know, being at the center of a lot of that. And I thought, again, I, I thought they were going to be an offense that was prone to making mistakes, you know, but also capable of the big play. They've been very different. You know, they've been very, very different. And uh, and I think it's it's served them well, especially with uh, with the defense that they have. And you know they they're efficient, man. They're they're efficient. They're, they they have nice little intermediate uh, uh, success. And um, yeah, it's definitely further along than than I thought it would be. I thought Allen, um, yeah, I would say Allen's been better than I thought. And I think the line has gelled better than I thought. And I didn't expect Brown to be. Uh, you know, making a lot of the plays they made. I mean, dude's got a, you know, a thousand yards with two games, uh, two games left to go. I, I didn't see that coming. I did not see that coming. So yeah, while they've been frustrating at times, I, I would put the offense uh, a, a little bit ahead of the curve as far as where I thought they would be. On the other side of the ball, I mean, they didn't do too much. This was already a really good defense, and I do. This is where I give Sean McDermott, of course, Leslie Frazier too a lot more of their credit because a lot of the pieces were in place. But I will say this, they did go out and they did bring back Jordan Phillips. They signed him one year. That's probably a regret right now. I'm sure they wish they would have signed him to two or three years and paid him a little more now because now it's going to cost him so much money that they might price himself out of Buffalo with how good he's played. But the guy's played at a Pro Bowl level. I don't care that he was a fourth alternate. That's a joke. Dude's got nine and a half sacks. He's second in the NFL among all defensive tackles. Only Aaron Darnold's got more sacks than him this year. Um, Linebacker, they really had to do nothing. But again, this was the other thing with Brandon Bean. I talked about earlier with Josh Allen. He got Tremaine Edmonds. He moved up. First of all, the Bills moved up from 22 to 16 to get him. And because of the way they handled Josh Allen by trading Cordy Glenn to have that extra ammunition to begin with, they didn't have to go up as far. They were able to still keep that second first rounder and get a guy like Tremaine Edmonds, who certainly does look like now more and more the quarterback of this defense and playing more and more effectively. And again, that's testament to me that Brandon Bean went out, knew who he wanted, moved up to get the right guy, and just swung trades so that he didn't have to give up first-round picks and ended up getting them. So that's another great job by Bean here. Yeah, I agree. I just I, I have to circle back, though, to the defensive line real quick and you know, just get your your take on you know what you feel like the, the offseason has in store. Um, I mean, as, as much as I'd like all of Brandon Bean's moves, you mentioned the Jordan Phillips one-year contract. You know, there was also declining Shaq's fifth year, sure. which, you know, at the time I, I understood. But Me too. it's really going to be interesting. You know, Brandon Bean's going to lose some points most likely this offseason because, um, you know, he's sitting there with one more year on, on uh, Trent Murphy, one more year on Jerry Hughes, which did not need to happen. I believe he extended him during, uh, uh, you know, during camp or something like that. There was no reason to throw that extra year uh, at, at Jerry Hughes. So 
probably the two guys that you would most want to have locked up right now, other than, you know, a rookie like Oliver, who you were going to have locked up regardless, the two guys you'd love to have locked up right now with the biggest upside uh, in front of them are your two free agents and the two guys, you know, on, on the decline, you know, you still have, you know, you still have, you're still paying 10 million to, you know, for another year each. That's going to be very interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And I don't know why I'm looking forward to that because I'm probably not going to love how it ends up, you know, unless they fill, uh, you know, a, a void that they leave, um, that that Phillips or Lawson may may leave. But he, he has left himself a bit of a conundrum there. He's got the money, you know, he's got the money to do what he needs to do there. That that's that's interesting uh, off season storyline for me. And I'm I don't care. I can live in the present and still enjoy the hell out of the remaining weeks. Uh, of this season and still enjoy talking about what they're going to do at a position in the off season. I'm not afraid to multitask there. Yeah, I agree. And when he, listen, I'm just going to real quick with the secondary. I like Kevin Johnson. I think he's starting to play a decent role on this team. Levi Wallace has struggled some this year, but he's had his moments. And he, again, he was an undrafted guy that Brandon Bean personally watched in college. I love Teron Johnson, the draft pick when the kid could stay healthy, but I want to circle back to what you said, because you said some good fortune it took because the Bills did not land Antonio Brown. Maybe things are different right now if he did come here and cause problems and this team is not what they could be. I agree with you 100% too. If there is one, I don't want to say criticism because it's so easy now to be an armchair quarterback several months down the road. I also, like you said, I understand why they didn't extend Shaq Lawson because to this point before this season, while he was okay, he was good against a run. He didn't really do anything else. I understand why they didn't want to pay him that fifth-year money like that. It's just been this year where he's become a guy who could really get after quarterback. I think he's up to six and a half sacks right now. But yeah, Jordan Phillips, look, I mean, I'm sure they wish they could go back. And just imagine right now, if they extended him, and you already hit on this, and Jordan Phillips is signed for multi-years, dude, they're going into free agency because after those two guys, and they got a lot of cap room, obviously, Frank Gore, Lorenzo Alexander, Quinn in Spain. Those are your three big name free agents for it if they would have taken care of the other two guys. In other words, they would have been shit to worry about. I mean, you got Kevin Johnson and Adrian Waddle too. Now, when it comes to Phillips and, um, and Lawson, I think of the two, I think Shaq's more likely to be the one to be back because I think both are going to get paid, but I think they're more likely to pay Shaq Lawson because I think Jordan Phillips and God bless him. You know, I think he's going to play his way out of Buffalo and get a, somebody, the Raiders, Detroit, somebody's going to pay stupid money. And in part because they got Ed Oliver, they're not going to pay Jordan Phillips nine and a half, ten million dollars a year to play defensive tackle when they got Oliver playing literally the same position. Do you agree with that? Yeah, but I just don't know that it's it's going to crank up that high, man. I know those sacks are nice, but he has still he has still done it in a, in a rotation that has very often played to his strengths. You know, I don't, I I don't watch a lot of film or, or even pay a lot of attention to the all 22s, um, you know, that come out during the course of the week. But if I'm not mistaken, you know, I think a lot of people were pointing the finger at like uh, at star Latule and at Oliver when this defense had their bouts with uh, with their struggles with with stopping the run, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I think Jordan Phillips may have been, you know, at the center of a lot of that. I, I really believe, and and Shaq, you know, 
Yeah, Shaq's been just as good against the run as he as he has against the as he has against the pass. But you know, he had a couple sacks. Maybe it was the uh, the, the Dallas game or something like that, where scheme set him free. All right, to be unblocked a couple times. I think these guys have have had a lot of good fortune um, with with where they ended up this year and the sort of you know the sort of usage that they've gotten this year, and it may inflate them. You know what I mean? It, it it may inflate them. It may just leave you know other teams you know just just chomping at the bit um, you know from some of those splash plays that they've made. I don't think they end up being worth it though. I, I really I don't think they end up being being worth it. And if by chance you know these teams kind of see it the way the, the way I'm I'm talking about it right now, I think these could potentially be potentially it's gonna it's it's gonna be super interesting. I think they might be six to eight million dollar guys instead of maybe ten to twelve million dollar guys. I would agree with you, but then I'll, I pay him. Then I pay him. I just I would too, and I might pay Shaq if it's more than that because I really think he's coming into his own. He's one of those guys who's clearly ascending. I think some guys stink as a rookie and they get a little bit better and then they kind of level off. I feel like every single week this guy's getting better. I like Jordan Phillips a lot, but I, if this is a good system. And Ed Oliver continues to improve, and he's going to be a monster playing 60, 65% of the snaps anyway going forward after this year. I'm fine with losing Jordan Phillips. And again, it's not because I don't like him. I like him a ton. Just not going to pay that guy this kind of money, which kind of leads into my last but point. I got, but I got, Go just real quick, I got, I mean, I'm, I've got Oliver under, uh, you know, under his rookie contract for four more years. True. You know, if I want Phillips that bad, I can just duck out of Star Latoule and, 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 you know, and there's Jordan Phillips' money. True. That's, I mean, if you want him that bad, it's it's doable. That's one of the things that why Brandon Bean deserves so much credit is because what you just said, it is doable because of the job that he's done building this team rather cheaply, getting rid of a lot of bad contracts and signing a lot of guys to, frankly, a lot of team-friendly contracts. But see, here's the thing. For all this praise that we've lavished him with today, it comes down to sustainability. It's kind of like, being a boxer, they say it's easy to become champ. It's hard to stay a champ. Now, the real, you know, testament, the real evaluation of Brandon Bean as a long-term GM. Is he going to be the next Bill Polian? Are we going to put him on that same pedestal someday, Bill's fans? It's going to come down to what he does over the next couple of years because now this team's getting good. They got a lot of young talent that they don't have to worry too much about when it comes to money. But that's going to change pretty soon. Maybe not so much this class because... We've already talked about Phillips and Shaq. Those are the only two free agents after this season that are really worth the discussion. But after that, dude, two years from now, after next season, you got Trey White, you got Jordan Poyer, you got Deion Dawkins, you got Matt Milano. That's four core key players, okay? Now, after next year, that'll be Josh Allen's third season. You might have to start thinking about money for him, too. They got other free agents, too, after next year, Trent Murphy and Secchi. Feliciano, Patrick DeMarco, your favorite player, Patrick DeMarco. So there's a lot of, eh, those guys don't really matter. But my point is this, you got four core guys coming up. You still want to keep adding talent, at least one or two guys via free agency. This is going to be over the next day. He's established himself as a great GM, I think, over the or a good GM, I should say, over these first 12 months, these last 12 months. It's going to be the next 12 months or so that really determines, is this guy going to build a team that's going to be around forever? Right now, and it's way too early to speculate, but if you were 
calling the shots right now. I named the guys Trey Poyer, Dion Dawkins, Matt Milano. What kind of order are you prioritizing some of these guys going in over the next, say, offseason or two? I'll tell you right now. I'm th- This offseason, I'm trying to extend Milano and Dawkins because I, I believe they were both snubbed as pro bowlers, sure. and I think that could change come next year. So I'm not going to give their agent – you know, the uh, the Pro Bowl ammunition. So I'm going to try to extend Dawkins and Milano. Trey White's going to break my fucking bank, all right, whenever it is. I just paid so. This year, next yeah. year, whatever, it don't matter. You know what I mean? So I'll start talking to Trey a little bit. I, you know, he knows we want him there forever. He probably doesn't get the contract this year, though. You know what I mean? He's it probably, you know... Now, of course, you know, I mean, these guys are looking at the numbers uh, ahead three years, four years, whatever. I just, I, I don't think I'm ready to get, I, I, you know, I want two more years of, of, of cheap Trey, you know, or one year of cheap Trey and then, you know, the, a fifth year, a fifth year option of sort of cheap Trey um, or not crazy. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going after him uh, this year. So it's Dawkins and Milano for me. And then I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to see what I what I can do with the other two um, that I have. And, you know, that's it. And I, I, I'd i be open to trading a first because I've got a ton of draft picks. All right. I've got a bunch of years where, you know, my, my number one is going to break the bank and my second rounder is going to break, break the bank. Right. Dawkins and Trey uh, and Edmonds and Josh, you know. And so, you know, you know, let's deal some ones, man. Yeah. <laughs> Let's deal with one. I'll you know? tell you, I'll tell you, me and you, me and you, especially on our Facebooks, I would say that we're considered a lot of things. I would say homers are probably the last thing, especially on Facebook. Everyone thinks that we're Bill's haters, which kind of annoys me, but it is what it is. Here's my thing. It's hard to not be excited about this team right now. And I'm not even talking about their 10 and four record. I'm not talking about the potential of them winning a playoff game or two. I mean, obviously that would be fantastic. I'm talking about the long-term outlook for this team as it stands right now. They're good. They're winning. They're winning with a lot of young players. They're in excellent cap shape, and they're in excellent draft pick shape, too. I mean, there's not a lot to not like about this football team. Dude, man, it's 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 going to be awesome. I mean, seriously, you know, they're, they're going to be talked about as overtaking New England next year in, in the AFC East. That's, that's going to happen, all right? They've got a tough schedule. Yeah, whatever, all right? Guess what? New England's got the same tough schedule, you know, and—, and they're looking like they're in a bit of a decline and, and we're on the upswing. So, you know, the, the, we're no longer looking at like, oh, geez, where are we going to find the nine or 10 wins that we need? Because, you know, all we got is a wild card. So now having a tough schedule doesn't really bother me that much anymore because New England's going to have the same tough schedule. And also with a tough schedule means good, tough teams, prime time. Dude, I mean, I know, again, everybody wants to stay in the present. Nobody's trying to look ahead to what's to come, but looking ahead at what's to come is just going to get you more excited. So give it all to me. Before I let you go, because this will probably be the last time I talk to you, at least on this podcast for sure, until I am going to try. Yeah, I, I am several weeks into the, the, the several weeks into the offseason. I'm going to predict that right now. But anyway, going into this game on Saturday, A, how do you think the Bills could fare? B, how realistically speaking here, how do you think the Bills can go this season? How, also, how much does this game mean to you on Saturday? Because in terms of winning the division, it means very little because there's no way in hell that New England's, even if they lose to the Bills this week, 
They ain't going home and losing to Miami in week 17. So they're still going to win the AFC. So ultimately, it's not going to mean a lot in terms of the division for the Buffalo Bills winning. But how much does this, how much do you think this game means to the Bills? How much does it mean to you? Do you think they have a very realistic chance to win this week? The Jets game is going to probably be a meaningless game where they don't even play that much. But actually, let me add this question to you too as I pile these out at the end. I got to get all my questions in with you because I ain't going to talk to you for a while after this. Jets game. If you have nothing to play for, but you have a young team who doesn't play and not used to play in the playoffs, how much do you play some of these starters? And then the last question, going into the playoffs, realistically speaking, what's your best case scenario here for how far the Bills can go and who do you want to play in the playoffs? All right. Um, I'll start with the New England scenarios. It was GR spent a lot of time on this uh, today as I was... Uh, I was heading to uh, to a basketball game. I, I, I wanted to call in because I do have a take on this. You know, it, it doesn't mean a lot as far as the division is concerned, but Sean McDermott has been an absolute master of taking things that, you know, would not necessarily motivate you or I, but, you know, he plays them. Out. He does all that cliche corny shit, man. You know, we're the small team. We're the, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. we're the this. You go, you know, McDermott plays on that, and these guys eat that shit up, all right? So if, if Sean McDermott is able to find a, a, an edge in the playoffs or or instill, you know, added belief than, than where they already are uh, come the postseason by virtue of going out and winning this game, then I'm all for it. You know, I would love to see uh, a, a win on on Saturday, man. I don't I don't know what it w- will mean, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Um, but I, I I think New England's going to be playing to win, and I want to go play to win, you know. And and I and I want to beat them, man. I I I do want to win this football game. I don't, you know, I don't know what it'll do, but uh, I, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, if McDermott found a way to say, you know, all right, you, you just beat the world champion on their field. All right, let's go win a fucking Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it just doesn't sound as crazy, all right, if if you go out there and win and win Saturday's Great game. Great point. Um, what does that mean against the Jets? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. You know, New England, everybody knows New England closes with Miami. It doesn't look good. Well, I, you know, I made a mistake, though. I should have said this, too. If the Bills do, if the Bills lose in New England, the, the, they probably play the Jets differently. If the Bills beat New England, they're not. This is the NFL. They're never going. They're not going to not play their starters if they even have a chance to win the division. So even though Miami's ninety nine and a half out of a hundred times going to lose on the road to the Patriots, I can't see the Bills not playing their starters against the Jets playing Sunday at one o'clock if they even have a mathematical chance to win the division. You know what I mean? I do, but I I, I think if anybody's nicked up. You know, I think I think they sit down. Sure. You know, I, I I really do. Like if uh, I don't think anyone's going to push hard through an injury uh, in 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 week seventeen. Right. You know, even if they do win in in week sixteen, and I, I honestly believe that to be true. You know, this week as well. Now it doesn't look like like Feliciano was a guy I thought about uh, for this because I, I I feel like I remember him going down. Uh, you know, at some point last week, but I don't think he's on the injury report. I'm but. Just saying, if 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 somebody's nicked up pretty good, I I wouldn't even necessarily have them, you know, try to push through it for the New England game. And that's not me like marginalizing it or anything like that. I just I'm not going to risk, you know, further injury to a pre-existing injury. Right. And I'm certainly certainly not going to do that 
you know, if, if they lose in, against New England and, and head into the, you know, week 17 with absolutely nothing to play for. Right. All right. Last thing now, what about the playoffs, man? You're, that, by the way, what a good feeling. Dude, we've been friends for uh, forever, 30 something plus years. There hasn't been a lot of seasons where you got to go all the way back to 1991, where you're going into week 17 and you already know that you played, made the playoffs. Or I should say in this case, we're going into week 16, no scenarios to figure out. No getting a head start on mock drafts like we did on this podcast last year around this time. None of that shit. You already know the Bills are in the playoffs. It's the first time in a very long time. So obviously that feels good. But now that we can officially say the Bills are in the playoffs, no speculation. How far do you think they could go? And who's the team that you most want to play in that first round to at least get you to the divisional round? Yo, we were we were absolutely in our friendship heyday the last time all right the bill you know the Super Bowl years the Super Bowl years were our years dude. yeah they were they were they <laughs> those were those, those those were our years we yeah, had fucking were. we had more apartments than the Bills <laughs> fucking had playoff games um I think they can I think <laughs> I think they can win a playoff game I mean you know look I, I think they can beat uh it's got to be the AFC South all right I, I I believe they can beat the AFC South champ all right if it were to end up being, you know, Kansas City by by some something crazy happened there, uh, I don't think we're ready to go in there and win. Uh, even though I I think we can beat them this Saturday, I, I obviously we we'd be a pretty good sized underdog, and I wouldn't you know pick us to win uh, against New England or something like that. But yeah, I think we uh, I think we can beat the AFC South champ. Uh, I don't think we'll be favored. I won't be shocked if we lose. I'll still consider the season to be a success. But, you know, when I wake up that Saturday or Sunday morning or whatever, uh, I'll feel like we have a, a chance to win it, no matter no matter what I put on Facebook. Right now, we're happy to be in the playoffs. And actually, that's not true. 2017, we were tickled just to be in the playoffs. This year, I think we want to see the Bills at least show themselves well. If, even if they lose in that first round, and we don't want them to come out there and get blown out. I feel like that would kind of make the season at least somewhat disappointing. How close do you think this team is right now where the expectation is to legitimately compete for a Super Bowl? Now, sure, they're in the playoffs this year, and hey, they got one of the best defenses, if not the best in the NFL. And aside from Baltimore, the AFC's not a great conference. You never know what could happen. So I'm not saying the Bills have no chance to win a Super Bowl this year or get to the Super Bowl. But I don't think the expectations to get there right now. How close is this team? Is it next year where if the Bills are not legitimately contending for a Super Bowl, do you, would you consider it a disappointment? Do you think that's next year? Do you think that's two years down the road? I, I believe, all right, I believe pretty firmly that the Bills will be favored to win the AFC East in more publications next year than the Patriots. I believe that the Bills will, unless Allen just absolutely, you know, shits on himself in a playoff game. All right, let me just say that. Okay, and in front of everybody in the playoffs, if he just, like, looks like it's way too big, all right, I, I reserve the right to hold back. Uh, or to pull this back. But I do think we'll be favored to win the East, um, you know, all over the place. I think we'll be in a lot of um, prognosticators, uh, AFC championship game. Um, and I think a few are going to, I think you're going to see, you know, the Bills in the Super Bowl on uh, on, on a few um, 
you know, credible sites or, or, or tabloids or, or whatever you want to call it. I don't know that these expectations are realistic. Um, it's going to seem really, really weird, but I think it's, I think it's accurate, man. I, I think that's what you can expect people to, uh, to think about the, um, uh, you know, uh, about the 2020 uh, Buffalo Bills, because I think the only two other teams that, uh, you know, that people are going to um, probably pick more often than us coming out of the AFC will be, you know, Mahomes and Jackson's teams. Yeah. Um, but we're going to we're going to be right there. And it's going to be really weird, man, because because we're going to be picked to do a lot of shit and we're going to play at night a lot. And it's gonna it's gonna be a whole different ball game, man. Everything changed Sunday night at eleven o'clock, and it it changed for the better, man. Yeah, buckle I, up, baby. I agree, and I actually may even going back to Dallas on Thanksgiving too. I think I feel like with this team, the they always played their worst in the biggest stage, but that kind of changed. And again, that's where I keep going back to this whole culture. It just feels like a different organization right now where they're not going to collapse and choke. They're beating the teams they're supposed to. They're starting to beat a couple teams that they're not really supposed to beat either. So who knows? Last thing here, okay? And then I really am going to let you go. I got to get a prediction from you now. Let's see if you can hit fire here because I'll have to replay this next time we talk, which again, probably won't be for a couple of months, but I want your prediction. It's Sunday, February 2nd, 2020. Super Bowl's going on. I don't even know what it is. I think it's Super Bowl 54, maybe. I don't even freaking know. 59, I don't even know. But anyway, whatever Super Bowl it is in early February, who's playing? Who wins? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm thinking about pitchers and catchers reporting at that point. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right. I, I'll, I'll, I'm going to go with Baltimore. I, I just, you know, I, I believe in one seeds. I'm, 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 I'm a sucker for the one seed. So I like I like Baltimore to uh you know to beat KC and um over in the NFC boy that's a it is an absolute crapshoot over there in the NFC I don't like Frisco I know a lot I, they might no, be the one I, seed I, I just I, I don't I agree with you generally I like the one seed but I don't like Frisco for some reason I just don't believe in them even though I should but I don't Oh man I I like Green I like Green Bay and Seattle I, I, you know, I, I think, I think that, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe the home team out, out of them. I, I don't know. I, I, I never pick New Orleans to go. I don't know what it is. I just, I, I don't pick New Orleans dude. That's tough. I, you know, I, I don't pay enough attention, uh, over there to, you know, to play this back and, and take any, any credit for it. Let's, <laughs> let's just, let's just stick to my fucking Brandon Bean takes. All right. We'll, we'll revisit those. All right. And, and you know, and certainly some, uh, you know, some baseball takes uh, uh, along the way. All right, man. Good stuff. Tone Pucks at Tone Pucks on Twitter. Dude, you're over 150 followers now, man. You're on the rise. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's up with the one dude who said, who said too bad you had to fire me? What are you out there telling people I got fired from a podcast? <laughs> I didn't say that. No, that, that was somebody fucking, fucking that was somebody oh, having yeah, some fun good. with you. I will say this, that somebody was having, I don't even know who that is, by the way. I don't even know who that person literally is. Oh, but I will say this, and this is the truth, and I'm not, I'm not joking. I actually do get some tweets from time to time saying, where's Tone Pox when you're doing Pat with Pox together? I legitimately do get that. I'm telling you, bro, my mind's got some burners. 
All right, so before I get out of here today, as many Buffalo Bills fans have seen this week, especially if you're on social media, a selfie that quarterback Josh Allen took of himself with fans at the airport in the wee hours of the morning following their win at Pittsburgh Sunday night to wrap up a playoff spot. It garnered a lot of attention, a lot of fun of attention. As you'd expect, the selfie went on to become viral and ultimately is actually now displayed at the Albright Knox Art Gallery in Buffalo. I think that's crazy. Although the building currently under construction, they did tweet out a display picture of it. Anyway, the young man whose phone that Josh took at the airport outside, standing out there in the cold with a bunch of other Bills fans to take the shot. His name is Zach Mitch. Thought it would be fun spending a couple minutes to get his perspective on the entire experience because, like I said, it's pretty cool. So he joins me right now. Zach, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? Good, man, Pat. Uh, thanks for uh, having me on. Glad to be here. I'm glad to have you on, man. It sounds like it was a really fun night. I'm stuck down here in Florida, so I was not at the airport. I was nice and warm and cozy in my bed, actually, by <laughs> the time yeah. you guys got that picture. Anyway, how long have you been a Bills fan for, Zach? Uh, so I'm 21, you know, as long as I can remember. I'm always watching games, going to preseason games, you know, as, as I was younger. Uh, my parents didn't really let me go to regular season games until I got older, you know, kind of for obvious reasons, you know. Right. Um, but, yeah, just uh, growing up, you know, with, you know, diehard Bills fans all around me, you know, it was just easy. You know, even even with them being, you know, not great when I was, you know, in my younger years, you know. Uh, yeah. it's Buffalo's, Buffalo's a, a diehard city, and we're all diehard fans. Sure. Now, and, and of course, it doesn't matter whether you're 15 years old or 75 years old. Diehards are diehards. Now, one thing, because of your age, that a season like this is actually something that you've never been able to experience before. Now, you go, I go all the way back, obviously, to the 90s when the Buffalo Bills were a perennial contender. Obviously, that has not been the case in many years, but this year they're good. So in that perspective, it's kind of cool. This is like this is all kind of a first for you in a way. It really is. You know, uh, I'm obviously used to the six and tens and seven and nines of the world. So a 10, potentially 11, 12 win season is just, you know, I, like Ricky Bobby says, you know, I don't know what to do with my hands. Um, <laughs> it's the whole, the whole season as a whole is just kind of surreal. I think for me personally, I think this rivals breaking the drought because, you know, it's, it, we clinched in week 15 on Sunday night. And, you know, the only time we've played on Sunday night since I've been alive, we got manhandled by New England. So, I mean, it just feels, it feels good. Yeah, sure. No question about it. Now, in terms of the game, let's circle back to Sunday night. Where did you watch the game? So I watched the game at my buddy's house. Um, his name's Alex Clowden with um, Ali and our other buddy, Kevin. Four of us watching it, you know, just drinking some beers, having a good time. So, uh, and that, that was just kind of like a last minute thing. You know, we didn't really know what to do. And then Al was kind of like, yeah, just come to my house and we'll watch here. No, obviously, so not, not to cut you off there, but obviously, you know, Again, for the Buffalo Bills, a lot of stakes in this game that a win and they're in the playoffs. So knowing that, being on a Sunday, like you said, first time in 12 years, is you have a little bit of a little extra adrenaline, a little more pumped up for this game than a normal Sunday night game? Yeah, so luckily I had to work. I worked 11 to 3 uh, on Sunday. So, I mean, it, it, it helped time go by a little faster. But one, you know, once I got out of work, I mean, it just seemed like the minutes were, you know, seeming like hours and it was... You know, just because, you know, like you, like you alluded to, the anticipation of it all, you know, because the whole thing was just so new. And then on top of it, the confidence that, you know, we could even win it, you know, I mean, it was just, it, it was all, Sunday was just, 
it, it was one of the days I'll probably just, it, I'll remember forever. What makes you decide that you're going to go to the airport, stand outside in the freezing ass cold. It was like, what, 20, 25 degrees, something like that. And you're going to be amongst the fans that are waiting for the team to greet the Buffalo Bills when they get off their plane. Was this something that was premeditated? Did you say before the game, they win, we're going to the airport? Or was this kind of like, we're sitting there, we're having a couple beers at the house, spur of the moment, let's just do it, man. Yeah, so it was more or less the the latter of what you said. Right after Josh scored his touchdown, you know, it kind of, you know, you know, we got done celebrating and sat back down and, you know, it kind of dawned on me like, you know, if we win, there's going to be people at the airport. So I, I brought it up and the three of them with no hesitation. Uh, we were like, yeah, you know, if we win, we're going. Did you guys, or did you anyway? Because in 2017, it was similar, New Year's Eve. The Bills beat Miami, got help from Cincinnati to get in the playoffs. They traveled back late New Year's Eve night. A lot of fans were at the airport. Was this the first time you did this, or did you do it a couple years ago as well? Yeah, so that's the first time we did it. It With it being New Year's, you know, we all we all went to parties. You know, sure. So um, uh, we didn't we didn't do the airport thing then, but... Um, I saw the videos of it, of it all. And, you know, it was, was envious of the whole thing and wanted to do it if, if it was going to be a thing again. And so I guess in, in a sense it, for me, it was premeditated. So you guys get to the airport, obviously, like we talked about, it's, it's cold. How long were you out there before the team plane arrived? Were you guys out there for quite a while? Was it, were you there for only a short amount of time? Uh, the t- so uh, we got there at about quarter after one. Um, right after the game, I tried calling all the news outlets to kind of get an idea of when they would be in, uh, between the three of them, I kind of got an idea. It'd be between one thirty and two. And by the time we got there a quarter after there was already two, 300 people there. I mean, it, it was just nuts. And then people just kept filing in and filing in. Was it a, was it a loud, nice, like party atmosphere? Again, we're not talking new airfield there. We're not talking about O'Neill's across the street from oh, the right, stadium yeah. after a game. We're talking about a Sunday night going into Monday morning, a work week. And bitter cold outside, two o'clock in the morning or so. But did it kind of still feel like there was a loud, nice party atmosphere going on? I would kind of, uh, I would, I would equate it to like, a, like a tailgate atmosphere. You know, I don't know if you saw the video circulating of uh, the kid going through the table. Uh, that happened. Uh, we were all singing like Christmas carols and stuff with it being Christmas season. Um, you know, chanting uh, Trey Day. <laughs> yeah, it's it definitely a party, uh, party atmosphere for sure. So the team gets off the plane. They start walking towards fans. Obviously, Josh Allen's the one that garnered the most attention. How did you guys specifically, I'm talking about you, and you were with Ali as well. He was on your shoulders, I believe. How did you guys get his attention? Now, like I said, I know he got on your shoulders, correct? Yeah. So when uh, when the charter came in, we were on that first on that first fence closest to uh, closest to where they were coming off, where like everyone was. And as the plane was coming in, I told Ali to get on, you know, get on my shoulders and, uh, you know, uh, start recording for me. You know, everyone started getting off the plane and I, I kind of noticed that there would, there would be a better, a better angle on the other fence where, you know, they were kind of walking to, to go into the building. Uh, so we walked over there and, um, at, we walked over there as Trey was getting off the plane. So they were, you know, they were chanting Trey day as we were walking over, everyone started yelling Josh. And, um, I heard Ali go, yo, get me closer. I I'm, I'm going to try to get a better look at him. Um, and so we got, I, I tried to get him right up, right up there. So he's, he's got both hands on that fence and caught his hand on the barbed wire actually. Oh um, shit. Injuries. Yeah. Yeah. And then Josh walked up. I, uh, neither of us could tell if he said anything to him, but like he, you know, gestured to him, you know, you know, hand me your phone and, um, stopped recording and then, you know, took a couple pictures and yeah, you know, I guess the rest is history. So 
you guys, obviously, you're trying to get his attention, but Josh noticed you. You didn't say, hey, can you take my phone and take a selfie? He kind of gestured towards you like, hey, I want the phone. So there were a couple guys on shoulders. I think, I don't know if Ali was the only one with a phone. He he had to have noticed Ali, you know, right up on on the on the gate with his phone. So that that would be my my best guess as to how he he saw you know Ali with with his phone anyway. Okay, so now he takes the photo. First of all, did you guys get a chance to interact with any other players aside from Josh Allen? And I'll kind of circle back to him after that. Uh, not while they were getting not while they were getting off the plane so much, but as um as they were as they were driving away, there were you know. Everyone was lined up and lined up on either side, you know, kind of, you know, giving him the, the victory cheer and, and, and whatnot. And uh, uh, Frank Gore actually came out of his sunroof right in front of us, which was sweet because I'm, I'm a huge Miami guy. Yeah. So, I mean, and for, I, saw, for him to come, I saw Gore. I saw that part. That was really cool. Yeah, that was awesome. Also, uh, when uh, when Dion when Dion Dawkins was going through, he, he was putting everything on his Instagram story. And me and Ali happened to be on that, too. So that was pretty cool. When it comes to these other players. Do you feel like there's a legitimate bond? You know, every player, every player I've ever talked to in my life who's in the NFL, they always say we got the best fans and blah, 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 blah. They always say that because that's what they're supposed to say. But I feel like when it comes to players with the Buffalo Bills, I feel like they mean that. They love their fans. Obviously, the fans love the players. Guys like you are going to the airport at two Mm -hmm. o'clock in the morning when it's freezing out to greet them after a a season-defining victory. Do you kind of feel like that love is reciprocated from the players back to the fans when it comes to the Bills? Oh yeah, absolutely, without a doubt in my mind. And it's 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 like things you see like last year. I think was it Robert Foster was picking up the tab at, at the store, it, you know, and things like and things like that. You know, I mean, you you see that with with teams in a lot of places. But you know, when when it comes when it comes to the Bills and really em- embracing Bills Mafia and really kind of bring into their own, like Aaron Williams going to the Pinto round tailgate and things like that. You know, it, it really just goes to show like what the community means to players once they come here. You know, you can have your Antonio Browns of the world that don't want to come here and, and don't want to like know what it's like. And it, and, and, and it speaks to kind of the Sabres too in, in the same way, you know, guys, you know, think, sure. think of Buffalo and it's just, you know, cold all the time and, you know, there's nothing to do here. And, and really, and when they come here and, and feel you know, the love that the community gives to the team and welcomes everyone with open arms. And, and it's just, it, it definitely shows that the guys see it and love it and enjoy, and want to uh, stay with it, I guess, sure, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. So now when it comes to the photo, this is like the perfect storm. First of all, I got the quarterback whose attention you got. He takes the, your phone, takes a selfie, the Buffalo Bills are shooting a video of this happening and ends up on their social media site. So everybody is seeing it. This photo ends up going viral, which in itself is very impressive. And then it ends up in the Albright Knox art gallery. A fan who saw it on Twitter tweeted at them to put it up. Were you shocked when this actually happened? So I believe it was um, Wednesday. It was, it was Wednesday, right? The Albright Knox art gallery. So regardless of the date, it ends up at the art gallery now for the world to see with your phone. You know, you really, you think about all that, man. And what, what's it like the past couple of days been like for you just as a fan? I mean, you're not getting rich and famous or something like this, but it's a right. really cool story that obviously you're going to remember for the rest of your entire life. Absolutely. I mean, we, we actually just got back from there, I don't know, probably about an hour and a half ago. 
And while we were there, they said that once once the once the uh, new building is up and ready, and I think they said January seventeenth, um, they're gonna instead of it being like a, a computer printout and like a small frame, they're gonna actually portraitize it, and they're gonna keep it there permanently. So I think that's really cool. You know, one day I'll be able to show my kids. You know, look, you know this. You know, I did this one day. You know, I mean, I think that's I think that's awesome. Yeah, it is good, man. Really cool stuff. Great fans you guys are. I'm glad that you enjoyed the experience. And hopefully you guys are going to get a chance to create a lot more memories after even bigger Buffalo Bills victories in the future. So good stuff, man. Thanks for popping on, Zach. Really appreciate your time, buddy. Yeah, Pat, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for today. Very big thank you. Again, longtime buddy, Tone Pucks. Been a long time since I've had him on the podcast. Probably will be a long time before I'll be back, but it's always good to have Tone on the show. Thanks as well to Zach Mitch, Buffalo Bills fan, sharing a really cool story. Josh Allen, the selfie, ended up in the art gallery. Really cool stuff. And the kind of stuff that only happens in Buffalo. So thanks a lot, Zach, for coming on telling that story. Guys, if you have not yet done so already, hook me up. Give me a Christmas present. Subscribe to this podcast. Rate and review. All that fun stuff. Really helps me continue to grow the show a lot. Of course, we're available on Apple, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify. Pretty much every single place that future award-winning podcasts can be found. Also, next time you're on your phone or on your laptop, browse it around on YouTube, hit up the Moranalytics Podcast YouTube channel, subscribe to that. I got podcast highlight clips from these and current past episodes up, as well as some original audio content that you'll only find there. So go check that out. Then last but not least, follow me on Twitter at PamaranTweets. I'm constantly tweeting out podcast updates, upcoming guests, polls, prize pack giveaway stuff thoughts, fighting with people who pretend that they're me on Twitter, making fun of me, all kinds of cool stuff going on there. So at Pamoran Tweets, thanks again for listening. I say it all the time. I really, truly mean it. I appreciate each and every single person out there that takes any time from their day listening to this show, whether you're at the gym, the office, the car, doesn't matter. Anywhere you are, you're giving the show a listen. There's a million other ones out there. It means the world to me. So thank you so much. Have a good weekend. New show starting next week in Buffalo. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.